Hello and good morning, hello and good afternoon. Where are you following this podcast from? This is Colin Swafula. And again, we are joined in by a phenomenal lady. Uh, we've joined in, uh, we're, we're joined in by uh, uh, Florentia Renteria, uh, Dr. Florentia Renteria. Um, uh, she's a nuclear, uh, nuclear engineer. And I want, if you had not listened to the previous podcast that we did with her, you better go and listen to it because uh, she is uh, so knowledgeable in matters nuclear energy even uh, climate change and so on so uh, so forth and um today uh, we are just going to dwell uh, deeper into um you know just to add on whatever we talked about and whatever we uh the 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 uh, whatever is in the world today in the world of nuclear energy in the world of uh, of innovation and so on so forth so today um florentia can you just say hi to the podcast again hi Collins, and hi to the audience that it is uh, listening us uh, around the globe um, i'm very glad to have the second invitation to be part of this podcast initiative program by powered by by you and the new team so um it is my great pleasure and honor to participate on this uh, session today amazing amazing yeah and uh today um since we a little bit the world is moving forward uh in a very fast way into uh small modular reactors and uh not just small modular reactors but uh in general uh gen um, is it called generation four reactors um it will be very very wise uh, if we uh, talk li a little bit more about that a little bit more about uh, generational four reactors and uh, um see where it goes uh, because um every nation uh, really uh, is going to solve its own issues but uh, when we uh, joint uh, join forces and um uh, uh, develop uh, nuclear technologies it will be a very very great um uh, initiative uh, so that uh, the world um, and every livelihood will be transformed and um, made uh, to be better so today um, welcome so from the pretty uh, from the previous podcast that we did uh, dr. Florentia um, what what other possible and uh, more information uh, uh, on digital tools in nuclear energy do you think we can uh, speak about uh, sure, thank you very much for, for continuing and follow up the question because, you know, um, the digital transformation process uh, is, is just uh, right in the corner, you know. Um, it involves a vast range of applications uh, where the electricity generation has a new era of digitalization. I mean, we should add different type of digital values to, to the nuclear infrastructure program and how all those uh, mechanisms and advanced digital tools can help us to deploy uh, faster and in a safe and economic mm -hmm. way uh, yeah. the advanced uh, reactor systems, for mm -hmm. example. Um, uh, having the digital infrastructure will provide alternatives for global energy security and increase the opportunities to expand their research and development projects mm -hmm. at the organizational level. As it is happening in the advanced uh, uh, reactor demonstration programs like in the United States, uh, South Korea, China, and many other countries around the globe, mm -hmm. powering those initiatives to uh, comply the energy security for their regions or even 
it's porting part of uh, the technology uh -huh. and uh, acknowledging the advantage of deploying more digital tools using other types of hybrid models applying machine learning artificial intelligence mm -hmm. um augmented reality or virtual reality is mm -hmm. well known as well um the high performance computing like induce um, acceleration of calculation with high fidelity models or the quantum computing mm -hmm. uh, there are a bunch of these alternatives and before the COVID-19 pandemic, the productive atmosphere among the workers were oriented in the physical space activities developed in the office. But during and after the pandemic, the situation turned into a transition process where people are able to work from remote locations or from home, which increases the level of productivity from workers, providing the flexibility in the working environment. Mm -hmm and the, the globe rapidly transitioned to a virtualized work, workplace. Um, nevertheless, not all the results have been uh, negative. Some have been actually uh, uh, very positive mm -hmm. and giving a huge advantage how to use these uh, digital tools in the work they do. Amazing. Yeah, and, and uh, maybe somebody might want to know uh, um, uh, um, just because uh, we mentioned uh, digital tools, um, can they, uh, uh, is it uh, in terms of chat GPT or is it in terms of uh, deeper, uh, deeper, deeper understanding of the digital tools, uh, not just um, the web-based uh, AI uh, tools and um, uh, generating photos and generating uh, uh, so on and so forth. So are you talking about uh, actually more of the reactor or are you talking about just generally uh, because we find out that uh, AI in the work workplace is doing so many things. Uh, AI is doing uh, um, even automation in, in um, uh, uh, you know, like allocating tasks and so on and so forth. So are you uh, dwelling deeper into the technology or itself or uh, just general uh, in the nuclear field well um if we incorporate how is the general digital um, development into the nuclear industry we merge um, all those alternatives you mm -hmm. mentioned the chat gpt um mm -hmm. you can go into the platform and review a lot of their existing uh, database uh -huh. to uh, predict maybe part of their models or a specific case that you would like to talk about the operation or some doubts that you may have uh -huh. into the uh, nuclear reactor um, the power infrastructure mm -hmm. um, there were some well now there are more advances from other uh, private companies in the sector how to incorporate the chat uh, GPT model into their um, uh, local or private models of the company yes. offering an existing database of information to the other uh, operators or uh, uh, how is it uh, recognizing some channels and all those challenges uh, mm -hmm. of potential deployment for example you you mentioned uh, about the reactor technologies yes, yes. probably with the reactor technologies we can accelerate the neutron transport calculations of the mm -hmm. computer codes mm -hmm. uh, to provide those high fidelity models in, in accurate time uh, because some of the computer codes, it may take a while to do the reactor core calculations, for mm -hmm. example. But if you put some of the AI models or machine learning in databases, um, how to predict maybe some earthquakes or other existing uh, databases to expand them 
to project different types of scenario mm -hmm. or the 3D construction models in the mm -hmm. reactor technologies or the nuclear power plants. Mm -hmm. How does it help to accelerate part of the construction, time management, and many of the other constraints mm -hmm. that it may encounter into a nuclear a, a power program or project? Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, that is so, so, so wonderful. Um, and you have so much experience, um, uh, uh, so much experience. You've interacted with so many people. You are uh, so. You actually, uh, when uh, 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 when we look at uh, how much uh, you uh, get involved in um, so many things in the industry, it's really, really profound. And from all the interaction, and majorly most of the interactions, like uh, through the conferences. Um, the IAEA recently uh, there there's been a conference uh, a webinar I think a webinar on uh, IA win sorry not IAEA women in nuclear uh, you had the conference uh, webinar and I saw that there was Jadwiga and Amanda and um, sorry I couldn't make it though but uh, I know it was really really wonderful but here we are uh, so uh, please talk a little bit more about your experience while you are in the pursuit of advancing your skill and just you are in the pursuit of advancing your skill uh, in nuclear science and technology thank you Collins you know like uh, I've been very fortunate to participate mm -hmm. in a very high-level events uh, that uh, the IEA is also mm -hmm. uh, promoting for future leaders and many other initiatives around the globe yeah. that it really gives a good interaction and connection with more experts mm -hmm. and it helps to to uh, have this deep learning understanding of the global issue that we have to work yeah. with other uh, uh, young experts so it's important to start identifying who could be our uh, uh, our mates or partners in this journey because um, we will be the next generation of nuclear professionals and we have to predict some of those challenges to prepare uh, very well our, our folks. And this webinar that you are talking about, um, we will have the recording available soon in the Wing Global uh, YouTube channel platform. Um, regions of the globe to empower more young professionals to pursue a career overseas. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes be afraid uh, to even in our own country. But if we have the chance to go outside of the that vision, we may have a, a some technology to bring to our countries, mm -hmm. implement or start those channels of cooperation. And this is mainly uh, uh, the target of all the initiatives that the industry is uh, is uh, promoting. Mm -hmm. For example, um, I had the, the fortunate uh, opportunity to be at the World Nuclear University programs. Um, yes, just yes. To, to have some background, the World Nuclear University or WNU it's a worldwide network of nuclear education and research institutions. Um, it offers training programs for future leaders on nuclear energy, um, also radioisotope production and application of ionizing radiation in medicine and industry. So it offers a bunch of educational uh, programs 
uh, organized by the WNU Coordinating Center and also has uh, IEA member states uh, fellowship support through the technical cooperation department and uh, it really helps for transferring the knowledge uh, uh, gained from people and experts. Uh, it's a good environment to have mentors uh, within the, the, the events and uh, I participated in the Summer Institute in 2019 yes. as well as in the School on Radiation Technologies in 2021 mm -hmm. and uh, we're nuclear industry today in both uh, hybrid formats in Brazil and China, but uh, this is not only one of the initiatives I've been part of it. Yeah. Um, I just want to acknowledge the Women for Nuclear Science Education and Communication. Mm -hmm. It's an initiative organized by the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology okay. Organization, ANSTO, and the International Atomic Energy Agency, IEA. Yeah. Um, the program supports women who are wanting to improve their education and communication skills in nuclear science, mm -hmm. which is very vulnerable. And this program was launched in 2020. Mm -hmm. The women have connected online. Uh, all of us will receive support and guidance from across the globe to develop programs in our own countries uh, with the aim to help uh, to support educational and outreach of nuclear science and technology mm -hmm. um, the, for the development of the youth and the women into the STEM careers. Mm -hmm. Mainly is to also uh, bring some talents to the to the area and uh, it focuses in the global efforts of the IEA to, to build the general understanding of the usefulness of nuclear science and technology mm -hmm. and meeting the daily needs of everyone. Mm -hmm. I will also recommend the audience to join the IYNC events, the International Youth Nuclear Congress which is a global network uh, of the future generation of professionals in the mm -hmm. nuclear field. Um, it dedicated, uh, is, is dedicated to develop and promote and transfer the knowledge experience and mm -hmm. the, uh, all the peaceful applications of nuclear science and technology. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there are a, a lot of uh, initiatives as well. For example, the um, International Center of Theoretical Physics, mm -hmm. ICTP, and the IEA schools that uh, yearly, uh, well, every year they promote. Uh, for example, the uh, last year, the School on Nuclear Energy Strategic Planning and Applications mm -hmm. of the IEA Info Methodology mm -hmm. for Sustainability Assessment or the Nuclear Energy Management School events as well. Um, mm -hmm. But we also have a couple of uh, other initiatives like the MEB school um, in USA is a so, well, it's a modeling, experimentation, and validation school mm -hmm. intending to improve the training of engineers and applied scientists. It's mainly sponsored by the Idaho National Laboratory, uh, Oak Ridge National Laboratory, and mm -hmm. Argonne National Laboratory as well, with the support of the, the USA DOE, DOE, the Department of Energy. Mm -hmm. So, um, I hope I'm not taking too much time to make this no, advertisement. No, you continue, but you continue. <laughs> Continue, yeah. So, just to, to finish, I would like to mention I was also part of the ESARDA training course, which is a very valuable initiative from the European Commission. ESARDA is an association of the European organizations uh, formed mm -hmm. to advance and harmonize research and development in the area of the nuclear safeguards. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, 2020, well, in 2022, 
last year I participated in the 20th edition of the ISARDA training course. Um, it was organized by the Joint Research Center, uh, the Directorate of uh, Nuclear Safety and Security, uh, related to the Department of Nuclear Security and Safeguards. And uh, this, this program is free cost. Um, it's uh, every year uh, promoted by the European Commission, and it is a great initiative as well. And uh, la lastly, um, recently I was part of the symposium uh, of uh, nuclear non-proliferation and security for women in STEM. Uh, this event was organized by the James Martin Center for Non-Proliferation Studies at the Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey and the Institute of Energy and Nuclear Research event from Brazil. And uh, it was a very valuable opportunity because the organization from the United States also are always empowering other regions of the of the world to promote the human capacity building in the sector. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, one 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 um, I I read as as what in in your bio, um, and you are talking about South Africa. And South Africa, we know they have uh, the research reactor, a people bed research reactor. Uh, what is this people bed research reactor? Uh, how is it different from, uh, you know, the, the uh, nuclear reactors are very different, but uh, what differentiates it from other uh, research reactors, people bed research reactor? Well, you know, um, South Africa is the only country now uh, in, in the whole African region um. that has a existing nuclear uh, power plants yeah, and yeah. Uh, but it's not the only country that has a research reactors uh -huh. um the purpose of the research reactors is to test part of the materials and advance a, a mechanism for technological advances into the components of the reactor that mm -hmm. could be tested for a long a period for example uh -huh. the durability of the materials and uh, try those type of uh, tests uh, those type of characteristics. Um, I haven't been the opportunity to be in South Africa mm -hmm. to visit the facilities, but uh, having the demonstration of the research reactors, yes, it yes. opens the um, the era and the, it promotes part of the development of this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, one of the uh, well, one one of the companies that uh, I've been collaborating is a Mosweli uh, engineering project. Mm -hmm. uh, the CEO is Dr. Trevor Dudley, and I know uh, him and, and, and his team are doing constant efforts to bring part of the uh, engineering uh, technology that they are developing mm -hmm. as a local model of the South African version mm -hmm. export to the world in the Mosweli nuclear power plants. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, that is so wonderful. Yeah, and um, um, because I know people bed research reactor is one of a kind in uh, the whole world because it's uh, only South Africa which is uh, um, uh, is is um, tasting uh, that uh, um, uh, that type of uh, research reactor, right? Yeah, I mean um, yeah. Uh, there are different type of uh, research reactors. Uh, the pebble bed is not the only one in South Africa. Oh, Even China uh -huh. has the HDR. It's kind of the HDR type, the high temperature gas pool uh, reactor. Yeah. Um, it was also the commission, I think it was in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's not the, in a brand new model. 
but it okay. has been having some optimizations along the evolution uh, history of the reactor models as well. Mm -hmm. But South Africa is one of the countries leading the pebble-fed reactor technology around the globe. Okay, okay. And um, uh, what are the current situation? What is the current situation of nuclear power in the world? Uh, um, um, because uh, many people will want to know uh, 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 about uh, nuclear uh, energy, uh, nuclear power uh, in uh, Africa, maybe in uh, Europe, in uh, America, uh, in Brazil, in uh, in uh, Mexico. But what is this general, uh, general, uh, general uh, situation? Is it possible to deploy deploy a huge fleet if every country in Africa is deploying a nuclear power facility? And um, other countries who have not uh, been into nuclear energy want uh, one day to say, okay, uh, let us now go to uh, to start a nuclear power uh, program, uh, uh, and they all deploy it at the same time. Will they be strained of uh, the uranium resource? Uh, will the resources now the the the, the uranium uh, resource um, go? The prices go up until nobody can buy it, and uh, you know it's uh, just impossible to uh, leave it out because the country is using a nuclear power facility so you just have to get that uh, uh, uranium uh, how is it how will it strain the uranium resources in the world thank you well the, the question has uh, different uh, perspectives to address yeah. but let me start with uh, one fact that uh, by 2050 uh -huh. global final energy consumption is projected to increase by about 30 percent and electricity production is expected to double you know um while well, uh, the coal uh, source remains the dominant energy source for electricity production at about 36 percent for 2021 while um it is shared in electricity production has changed uh you know in the 1980s it was consuming more of the coal sources. Uh, but nuclear energy, renewables, and natural gas has increased over the past 40 years, um, reducing the independence of the coal sources. Today, the nuclear um, energy contributes about 10% of the global electricity production, you know. And, uh, you know, um, this demand will keep growing as the years goes by. And if we go, for example, today to the uh, to the power reactor information system of the IEA, um, it is developed and maintained by the IEA for over five decades, and it is a comprehensive database focusing on nuclear power plants worldwide. Now, currently, we have 410 nuclear power reactors in operation um, that administrate 368,000. 610 electric uh, megawatts as an installed capacity in the in the world. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Of course, this uh, this uh, rate of opera reactor operation will be increasing or decreasing a little bit because you cannot have all the reactors operating at the same time. You may have in different regions of the world doing some operation or maintenance, and you have to suspend the operation. Mm -hmm. So now we have. 27 nuclear power reactors in suspended operation. Mm -hmm. Nonetheless, we have 57 nuclear power reactors under construction. Mm -hmm. That means that many other countries want to develop and deploy more uh, nuclear reactor units. Yes. 
um, if we go to the general statistics, China now is building 21 nuclear reactors. China is one of the largest producers of greenhouse gas emissions around the globe. And it has to decrease uh, this rate of a, a CO2 emissions, you know. Um, India is the same case as China. And they are uh, constructing uh, eight reactors. Uh, we have the, the first um, reactor program, in, well, the nuclear power program in the uh, Middle East region. For example, in this case, Africa. Uh, well, uh, Africa has located Egypt. So Egypt is having this Aldaba uh, construction plant program uh, with three reactor units, and Turkey as well, uh, with the support of the Russian side. And the Korean experience has been uh, reactivated again with three reactors uh, to be constructed as well. And many other countries are, are, are having the, the construction of uh, reactor technologies. Um, so now, if we go into the question that you were talking about, the uh, uranium, uranium yes. is there any uranium? So, um, it is sufficient uranium resources exist to support the long term. The sustainable use of nuclear energy for low carbon electricity generation mm -hmm. and for the uses of industrial heat applications and hydrogen production. However, we knew it that the COVID-19 created a huge impact mm -hmm. uh, during this time and uh, it could be some uncertainties and other projections that can cause some uh, instability to the, to the industry mm -hmm. uh, for the export and control of the uranium. But uh, we have sufficient uranium. There is timely invested in innovative mining and processing techniques that will help to ensure that the uranium resources are brought to the market when they are needed. Um, I would just like to make some a general comment. I don't know if uh, some of the audience heard about the Red Book. The Red yeah. Book is a two years is every two years publication with the collaboration of the Nuclear Energy Agency and the International mm -hmm. Atomic Energy Agency, mm -hmm. support by the NEA and the IEA Uranium Group. And the first edition was published in 1965, having until this moment 28 editions. And uh, it has a lot of the data and information related to the uranium market. You know? In the mm -hmm. 2020 edition, the Red Book provided projections for nuclear power generation uranium requirements through 2040, sorry, uh, 2040, mm -hmm. as well as comprehensive assessment of the uranium supply and demand relationship. Mm -hmm. Depending on the developments in the nuclear energy sector related to the uh, uranium uh, requirements, mm -hmm. it can range from 56,000 640 tons of uranium per year in a lower demand scenario mm -hmm. to 100,224 100, tons of uranium per year mm -hmm. in a high demand. It means doubling the capacity by 24. Mm -hmm. While the nuclear capacity projections uh, can change constantly from region to region growth in the nuclear sector and in uranium requirements are projected to be the largest in East Asia region. But let us not just focus on the uranium resources, because we also have to spend fuel from the nuclear power plants, which are a potential substantial source of fissile material 
that could displace the primarily primarily uranium production. Uh, what does it mean? When spent fuel is discharged from a commercial reactor, it is potentially recyclable since more than the 90% of the original material is essentially made of uranium-238, along with the plutonium and remaining uranium-235. The recycled plutonium can be reused in reactors licensed to use a mix of side fuel. It is uh, uh, known in the industry as MOX fuel. So the uranium recovered through reprocessing of spent fuel, um, it is known as reprocessed uranium, um, REPU, is not routinely recycled, but it is stored for the future. It means you can still extract power from the spent fuel uh, 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 repository, but not the spent fuel uh, inventory, sorry. Uh, spent fuel inventory that you may have into the nuclear power plants. Wow, 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 that is so, so, so great. And um, so, so the question is, um, maybe, uh, uh, um, um, will it be uh, when we deploy maybe a, a hundred uh, nuclear power facilities, uh, not uh, nuclear reactors, a hundred nuclear reactors, uh, will it strain these resources? So the thing is, uh, if you want to, to deploy at the same time 100 uh, nuclear units, yes, it yes. will be a little bit challenging, you know? Challenging, yes. That's why uh, you have to make a projection. You have your okay. analysts, you have the, the experts to do the energy planning distribution uh -huh. of how those uh -huh. resources will be utilized. Okay. So, and especially from which country you will be exporting the fuel, to loading the reactor, and how will be the strategy. Because, for example, you see now in Africa, we have South Africa and yes, yes. Uh -huh. in, the, in the power scenario. Later on, we will have Ghana, Kenya, uh, probably Tanzania, Botswana, uh, Nigeria, and many other countries. Uh -huh. So, originally, there should be implemented some strategies to do things systematically and in an international cooperation and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And uh, having the in mind to reutilize the most fuel, it's valuable a strategy to, uh, uh, to uh, save part of the resources mm -hmm. and utilize them very well in the recycling process. Right. Yeah, and uh, maybe somebody might just want to know what, uh, what is inside the nuclear power uh, reactor. I mean, uh, there is a lot of, of, of mystery behind the nuclear power, uh, you know, you know the, the nuclear power um, uh, facility. So what, if you can just dive a little bit more about the mechanics of a nuclear power reactor, it will be very great. Sure. Well, you know, uh, the nuclear reactors are the heart of the nuclear power plant. Uh -huh. They contain a controlled nuclear chain reactions that produce heat through a physical process called fission. Uh -huh. That heat is used to make the steam that spins the turbine to create electricity. Mm -hmm. The main job of a reactor is to house and control nuclear fission, and a process where the atoms split and release the energy. Uh -huh. The reactors use uranium for nuclear fuel, and the uranium is processed into a small ceramic pellets yeah. and stacked together into the sealed metal tubes called 
your roads. Mm -hmm. um, typically, more than 200 of these uh, roads are bundled together mm -hmm. to form a fuel assembly. You may have different type of geometries like 14 by 14, 16 by 16, 17 by 17, yeah. depending on the reactor design a model. Mm -hmm. And the reactor core is typically made up of these uh, 100 assemblies depending on the power level depending what is the design of the output power of the reactor. Most of today's reactor contains several hundred fuel assemblies, each having these uh, thousand of small pellets of uranium. It's like the, the, the pinky finger is like one of the phalanx, you know, it's, it's, it's very tiny. And a single pellet contains uh, much, uh, as much energy as there is in one ton of coal. So you can imagine the power of a single pellet of uranium. And this typical reactor requires about 27 tons of fresh fuel each year. Um, you know, uh, the people who do the loading pattern designs and how to do the outage strategy for the refilling the reactor, um, this is when you discharge part of the fuel assembly, so uh, one part of the core, not all, uh, because it's already reaching the level of reactivity. And then you have to rearrange the core as well. Um, in an average, one third of the fuel assemblies are discharged from from the from the reactor core, you know. Uh, but it depends on the uh, cycle operation. It could be 16, 14, 13, or even 18 months. There are more um, studies, and other nuclear reactor designers are doing the loading pattern determination to extend the cycle length. Uh, for example, while I was in South Korea working uh, and doing my master's degree, I worked in a 24-month uh, cycle uh, project. It means to operate a reactor for about two years without fulfilling it, which is, it could be very economically. And uh, it was kind of a mixture core between uranium dioxide and MOX fuel, uh, which really helps in, in, in this uh, uh, nuclear fuel sustainability. Uh, so, if we put in contrast, a coal power station of a similar site will require more than two and a half million of tons of coal mm -hmm. if we take into consideration the 27 tons of fresh fuel a year of the uranium dioxide mm -hmm. to produce this much electricity. So, how can you compare 20, 27 tons to two and a half million tons of coal? So, it's a lot of volume, you know? and mm -hmm. you can produce the same power, but with a less volume through the nuclear energy. Yeah. So um, inside the reactor vessel, mm -hmm. the fuel rows are immersed in water, mm -hmm. which act, acts as both as a coolant and as a moderator. Mm -hmm. And the moderator helps slow down the neutrons produced by fission mm -hmm. uh, to sustain the chain reaction. Now you have the control roots that are inserted into the reactor core to, re to reduce the reaction rate or withdrawn to increase it. And the heat created by the fission turns the water into steam, which spins a turbine to produce carbon-free electricity. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, that is so great. And um, just uh, letting uh, everybody, um, uh, if uh, somebody is interested into uh, going into um, uh, knowing more about nuclear energy and the mechanics and uh, just being um, 
you know, uh, being uh, comfortable uh, that a nuclear energy is safe, reliable, and uh, a future um, uh, for, uh, you know, uh, like one, one um, I spoke with um, Elizabeth, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Etotia, uh, and she says the future is nuclear energy. So the future is nuclear energy. And um, when we are talking about the future also, we are looking even into advanced reactors, um, as you have um, we've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Advanced reactors, what are these advanced reactors and um, uh, what are these SMR? And um, are the SMR advanced reactors or is it just a prototype of generation one and uh, one, two, three, uh, generation four reactors, but smaller? Thank you. You know, like there are a bunch of classifications or maybe a lot of terms that uh, it can yeah. cause sometimes like some confusion. Uh-huh. We, we do understand. But let me just start putting in the table that uh, new reactors and technologies hold the promise of the future yeah, of yeah. clean, uh, reliable energy. Mm-hmm. But it has a bunch of possibilities go well beyond electricity generation. Yes. Um, the new reactors of tomorrow, uh, some less than a decade away, will offer a variety of benefits such as the water desalination, mm-hmm. process heat, and alternative fuels generations, yeah. um, as, and access to power beyond the grid. They will help to remote areas uh, have available, reliable, and clean electricity options, mm-hmm. and provide immediate uh, power after a disaster. Mm-hmm. Some designs will even allow us to recover and recycle elements in use, uh, in use nuclear fuel that can still produce uh, energy. Yes. And uh, talking about the advanced reactors, mm-hmm. uh, they represent the cutting edge in nuclear technology. Yes. Many are inherently safer by the design, with mm-hmm. some designs capable of operating without the need for safety-related backup electrical mm-hmm. systems. You know. Advanced nuclear reactors are being designed to more quickly adjust their electricity output to match demand, mm-hmm. helping them um, stabilize the grid in areas with a high volume of uh, intermittent renewables. So it means mm-hmm. now you can provide more flexibility to the energy matrix distribution depending on which region you are. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the advanced reactors will use a variety of coolants, including the water, molten salt, the high temperature gas, and the liquid metal. More, uh, well, uh, so it's very important to keep in mind that uh, advanced reactors are an integration between the small modular reactors and the generation 4 reactors, Mm -hmm. which is a classification of an evolution of the different reactor technologies. Mm -hmm. So now, the reactor will come in in a wide range of sizes for a few megawatts to more than uh, uh, 1,000 megawatts, like the traditional reactors, depending how is the progress of these prototypes. Now you see probably some small or scale prototypes, but uh, there is the intention also to expand the, the, the net capacity of these prototypes. But this allows owners to tailor their electricity generation to their energy demands. Mm-hmm. And this is particularly important for the smaller companies, you know, the rural, the rural electric cooperatives or the municipal agencies mm-hmm. for those isolated areas uh, mm-hmm. located to distribute all those applications. Mm-hmm. And the developers are creating, are creating 
simple designs, um, incorporating factory construction yeah. and work to lower overall construction and operating costs yes, to yes. be more competitive in the market uh -huh. uh, related to the small modular reactors economics uh, aspects. So the advanced reactors are being designed to power the hybrid energy systems that not only produce electricity for the grid but also produce the clean drinking water yes. and the hydrogen or heat to decarbonize the industrial and transportation sectors. Mm -hmm. um, if we set a definition of the small modular reactors, mm -hmm. SMRs are advanced nuclear reactors mm -hmm. that have a power capacity of up to 300 megawatts per unit, uh, yes. electric megawatts, mm -hmm. which is about one third of the generating capacity of a traditional nuclear power reactor. Mm -hmm. But it has many advantages to be uh, small, modular, flexible in terms of the conventional uh, nuclear power reactors. Mm -hmm. um, I want to emphasize that the IEA currently has the nuclear harmonization mm -hmm. and standardization initiative, yes. NHSI, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is a complementary initiative that aims to advance the harmonization and standardization of SMR design, construction, mm -hmm. the regulatory aspect, and the industrial approaches. So the, the agency and many other stakeholders know uh, that they know that there are a lot of small mobile reactor yeah. uh, designs in the market mm -hmm. but it also this platform serves as a focal point for the IE activities in the field and their applications on the SMRs mm -hmm. and it helps to coordinate and support those um, level of expertise from different uh, professionals mm -hmm. uh, to align the development and deployment of the small modular reactors in different regions so it serves as a mechanism to share those available resources mm -hmm. and how to uh, closely uh, work together for the development of the technology for different member states. Amazing. And um, uh, just on uh, SM, uh, not SMRs, but uh, advanced reactors. Oh, let me just say SMR because um, uh, different companies are doing uh, SMR. Like there is Terra Power, there is uh, so on, so forth, nuclear scale, new scale, uh, and uh, so on, so on. So there, there are many companies. And uh, while I was um, uh, in one event and um, uh, just public participation between the government of Kenya and the people and uh, the organizations around, uh, there was a question, and, and the people were asking, the, 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 the policy makers were asking, were saying rather, uh, that, um, uh, you know, IPPs, independent power producers, uh, who are the people causing a lot of um, power, um, you know, raising the cost of electricity power. So everybody is um, uh, doing uh, their own and they are feeding uh, the national grid power and uh, when they do that they will be paid according to the contract they signed and, and it's the same same uh, way uh, with this. So will it um, uh, make uh, possibly because uh, there are others who are saying uh, they will be building SMRs with uh, two, um, is it two billion? 
two billion uh two billion us dollars others saying okay we are doing it with one billion us dollars so will it bring a very great difference and make the power cost to even go higher you know um it's very important this point that you are touching because that is yeah. one of the main aspects or char characteristics of the small modular reactors yeah, yeah. to levelize this cost of electricity mm -hmm. and to reduce the risk and of course to provide assurance to the investors yeah. uh, of the interest rate of the of the project mm -hmm. but most important to come along the way with the construction of the small modular reactor models mm -hmm. uh, to produce this uh, power constantly yeah. and uh, this is the intention of the small modular reactors to reduce the cost through prefabricate modules the transportation will be more flexible um, you can deploy the technology in very uh, remote areas for example mm -hmm. and even think about the, the production of secondary products like uh, heating generation uh, hydrogen production mm -hmm. or uh, the, the drinkable water for the people mm -hmm. you know like there's a lot of a scar water scarcity in different regions of the world yeah. and having the advantage of the small modular reactors or any other reactor technology mm -hmm. producing the clean water uh, to, to supply the service to the population is very valuable and also for the medical facilities because mm -hmm. It, it, it means that the hospitals and all those remote areas that may not have access to medical services, now it changes, it changes the, the scenario, you know. Um, you can have a, a small clinic with a, a, with this, a, I don't know, like a micro-reactor powered by a, the, the nuclear source, you know, and it will be very valuable. Um, in terms of the different prototypes that you mentioned about, the, for example, TerraPower, yeah. or you may see uh, other advanced uh, reactor demonstration programs, mm -hmm. um, let me just come into the classification. Yeah. You have the generation uh, one of reactors with early prototypes, mm -hmm. you have the generation two, which uh, has large uh, scale of power stations. Mm -hmm. Uh, now some of these uh, uh, facilities are uh, in the commissioning or about to be in the commission process. Mm -hmm. And you have Generation 3 and Generation 3 Plus, mm -hmm. which are the ones that we see operating now or will be in, in construction for the next uh, uh, year. Mm -hmm. And it includes here the small modular reactors or the different type of designs. But we also, if we go further, <laughs> we have the Generation 4 which are safe, secure, sustainable, competitive, and versatile. Mm -hmm. So, um, the G Forum, or Gener Generation 4 International Forum, has uh, selected mainly six models mm -hmm. that comprises the characteristics to be deployed in several regions of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, these models develop more economical, sustainable, and safer nuclear reactors. Mm -hmm. Uh, for their fuel cycles to the commissioning and waste uh, treatment mm -hmm. uh, for to meet the world's energy needs and this generation four a uh, four well, generation four reactors research and develop program um, it is an initiative launched in 2000 mm -hmm. the goal is to advance research on nuclear energy systems mm -hmm. that are needed after the 2030 mm -hmm. and they diverse significantly from generation three systems. Mm -hmm. uh, 
that's why you, you you can hear or some people will start hearing about the gas cool fast reactor uh, yeah, demonstration yeah. program the lead cool fast reactor or the molten salt reactor or yeah. sodium uh, cool fast reactor and so forth mm -hmm. so um many countries are uh, coming along the way this initiative some of these uh, uh, generation four reactors are uh, fast reactors or some are thermal reactors as well depending on the characteristics of the of the design of each reactor i'm talking yeah. about the fast neutron spectrum because it means uh, the operation of this reactor are in the fast uh, neutron region yeah. if it's a thermal reactor the moderation of the of the neutrons are slower than in the fast region yeah. but these models are not only producing uh, electricity Yes, it also yes. produces power and heating applications as the other small molar reactors mm -hmm. that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. So um, we may see probably from the 2030 decade, uh, these generation four reactor models yes. up to the 20, 2019, for example, we are talking more like 70 years, mm -hmm. or even depending on the classification that comes after that type of research and mm -hmm. uh, nowadays experts are not talking about the generation uh, fifth reactor we are now using the generation four reactor but after or depending on the progress of this technology we may think about a fifth generation of nuclear reactors later on oh wow yeah generation five wow that will be cool yeah so there is no generation four plus it's a uh, generation five <laughs> Yeah. Depending so, on the classification, you know, because um, the IEA and uh, the Nuclear Energy Agency, they have the international meetings where the experts discuss about the classifications, okay. what are the design requirements and so on. But All let's right. see what, what happens after. All right. Yeah, and um, um, there is something about um, re recycling nuclear waste. Uh, they are possible, um, not their designs, their designs, um, is, um, but um, maybe you can just uh, speak a little bit more about, about nuclear waste and the research uh, uh, and the reactor designs for recycling the same. And at the same time, um, there is this question about uh, the expense. Will it be even more expensive to uh, recycle nuclear waste? Yeah, sure. So. Um well, for example, like in any industry, the nuclear industry generates uh, waste. However, unlike many, many industries, nuclear power generates very little of it, you know, and fully really contains to manage what it does produce. The vast majority of the waste from nuclear power plants is not very radioactive and many, uh, and for many decades has been responsibly managed and disposed of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have the, the dry storage cask, the wet storage cask, mm -hmm. which are like, like containers, or some other countries are building the, the repositories to storage the suspend uh, fuel and be transported uh, underground. Mm -hmm. uh, but this, this uh, spent fuel is, uh, is under an inventory. Uh, we are not spreading the radioactive material uh, and this radioactive material is affecting the population because everything is in the inventory. Mm -hmm. uh, if we compare to the uh, coal uh, power plants, all the coal and all the emissions are going to the lungs of the population. 
and that's why we see now more uh, respiratory uh, diseases in the population because the the particles were not uh, contemplated to be treated or any other additional chemical process to clean part of this technology. But this is a huge advantage of the nuclear waste, uh, how it is being controlled and in the inventory in the nuclear uh, facilities. So um, if we think if nuclear power was used to supply a person's electricity needs for an entire year, only about five grams of high radioactive waste will be produced. Mm -hmm. So now if we are counting, it's very little the, the, the waste, you know, which is the same weight as a sheet of paper. Yes. And it's very lightly. Mm -hmm. The used fuel which comes out of the reactor can be managed in different ways, yes. including recycling for energy production or direct disposal. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, many countries have been using recycled fuel for decades partially uh, fuel the reactors. It depends on the economic aspects of each country and how is the, the economical resources to reproduce or recycle. But it's a good alternative because if you recycle that spent fuel that you already have there, you can still extract the energy, reduce the waste volume, and uh, try to produce more electricity and uh, different type of research. It activates more jobs, it activates uh, other types of industries around the globe, and it will be helping to supply more energy demand in other countries. Um, current fuel cycles, uh, uh, there are two basic types of fuel cycles. Um, it has two basic approaches to the nuclear fuel cycle. An open uh, cycle, which in which the spent nuclear fuel is removed from a reactor, and stored mm -hmm. and a closed cycle or a partially closed cycle in which the spent nuclear fuel is reprocessed to produce nuclear fuel mm -hmm. while existing powers uh, power reactor uh, can operate under either option mm -hmm. or the uh, other type of, of uh, well the open cycle or the closed cycle mm -hmm. in the open cycle for the existing open cycles the nuclear fuel is fabricated from uranium mm -hmm. or thorium, like they in India, that they are activating these programs with thorium. Yes. Um, the fuel is irradiated in a reactor, stored for a period of time to allow for reduction of heat output mm -hmm. and then directly dispose of. This current uh, approach uh, is using countries as Canada, Finland, Germany, Sweden, and the USA, for example. Mm -hmm. The final disposal facilities uh, do not exist yet, but are under construction or consideration in several countries. The repositories that uh, I, I just talked. You have the Yucca Mountain uh, repositories, the Niagara facilities, or the Yongju repository in South Korea, as an example of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, a storage by nuclear fuel could be retried for recycling purposes at any time until the final repository is sealed. That is for the open cycle. If we talk about the closed or partially a closed cycle, um, in here the actinite material is recovered from the spent nuclear field in a reprocessing facility and fabricated into new fuel. 
the fuel is reused uh -huh. generally up to three times in thermal reactors uh -huh. to extract additional energy and the resulting spent fuel is then disposed of a waste or stored for future applications in innovative reactors. For example, at La Hague, a plant in France, they had the low enriched uranium spent nuclear fuel is reprocessed, is separated, plutonium is fabricated into MOX fuel for further use in reactors, and the result is the MOX fuel. Um, this MOX fuel is stored for future de deployment in past reactors. Japan, the Russian Federation, and the UK also currently operate closed cycle or partially closed nuclear fuel cycles. So this is what is around, but we have more uh, innovative fuel cycles like the full fissile material recycling or the actinite and long light fission product recycling. But I don't know how how long we have to in the conversation, if you allow me to explain a little bit of those two innovative fuel cycles. No problem, you continue, you continue. Okay, thank yeah. you. So for for the innovative fuel cycles, I mentioned one, yeah. the full fissile material, mm -hmm. uh, which is recycling plutonium and uranium-233 mm -hmm. in a full recycling approach to the fuel cycle, all the spent nuclear fuel is represents. For recovery and recycling of uranium, plutonium, or uranium to the 33. The spent fuel is repeatedly uh, processed and recycled to fully consume the fissile material through multiple irradiations in, in fast reactors. This is oriented to fast reactors. So these minor actinides and fission products are sent to the waste stream from the processing operation. And these fuel cycle supports the preservation of fissile material uh, resources. Mm -hmm. um, although this fuel cycle is not currently practiced, it could be implemented at an industrial scale with the deployment of fast reactors. For mm -hmm. example, fuel cycles based on liquid metal fast breather reactors yes. have been demonstrated by France, Germany, Japan, mm -hmm. uh, the Russian Federation, UK and USA. Mm -hmm. So a full fissile recycling a fuel cycle could also be based on the thorium fuels, which could involve the recycling of the uranium-233. Uh, mm -hmm. If we go into the actinite and long-life fission product recycling, which is another fuel cycle approach, mm -hmm. involves mm -hmm. the recycling of actinite and long-life fission products, mm -hmm. whereby all the spent nuclear fuel is processed and the actinides are recycling multiple times mm -hmm. to fully consume the fissionable material and transmuted to minor actinides. Mm -hmm. One or more fission products like the technetium 99 or the iodine 129 mm -hmm. may also be recycled in this case. Mm -hmm. Such as fuel uh, uh, cycle could be based on thermal reactors uh, like the light water reactors mm -hmm. or they can do like the PHAWR in combination with the fast reactors. Mm -hmm. Both the thermal reactors and the fast reactors could produce power, but the fast reactors could mm -hmm. also burn excess fissile fuel produced from the fertile uranium-238 and uh, minor actinates that will uh, otherwise um, 
be sent to the to the who will be sent to the repository in this case. So this is moreover like the general uh, overview of mm -hmm. the innovative uh, field cycles. Wow, wow, that is so so. Uh, uh, in, uh, I mean, I wanted to say intense. Uh, it's so uh, deep and uh, very very great uh, information. And um, somebody uh, might uh, uh, let me just give a, a case in uh, like uh, in Kenya. Um, we were. Uh, interacting and uh, somebody asked um, if I had uh, or if somebody has like 1 billion Kenya shillings um, or let me just put it like a, a million US dollars uh, would you rather invest this money in um, uh, new not nuclear energy will you rather will you invest this money in um, uh, energy project like for example geothermal or maybe hydro or maybe wind or maybe any uh, just generation of uh, 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 electricity um, you know electricity um, like power plants let me say so uh, later on um, with this uh, case uh, this person was uh, said okay for me if I have this 1 million US dollars I'd rather invest into real estates. I would rather invest this money into um, uh, buying shares in a certain company and maybe build on my shares in different places and do business and so on and so forth. So many people do not have uh, these uh, in them that they can invest in uh, you know, power generation. But uh, the question is today: uh, Can people, uh, can people or companies invest in nuclear power in the nuclear power sector, or is it only is it only for the countries and the governments, uh, the government of Kenya through Nuclear Nuclear Power Energy Agency and uh, through the regulator Nuclear Regulatory Authority, or maybe in the United States of America, whereby the Nuclear Regulatory and NRC. Uh, the director of energy DOE will um, no, uh, have a project. Um, of course, uh, the nuclear sector, nuclear um, is it the office of nuclear energy, and uh, the regulator will be the NRC, and so on and so forth. No, it's like the government and you know government versus the company. So is it like that, or can people invest and the companies invest in nuclear energy? Thank you for your question. It's very important because. Uh, it's good to, to understand probably what are the stakeholders in each country. Yes, um, yes. I will say it depends of the energy infrastructure of the country mm -hmm. and which energy policies need to be followed and the flexibility provided by the government to engage the private industry. Uh -huh. There are countries where the nuclear power sector relies entirely in the government. For instance, the regulator and the operator are entities run uh, run by the government as well, or the R&D section. Uh -huh. Other countries can have an operator of the entities coming from the private sector, uh -huh. where the company has established as part of the private industry in the nuclear sector of the government. Uh -huh. um, we know that it is very sensitive how to establish sometimes the framework of the nuclear uh, power program in a country, uh -huh. but we have to understand that the nuclear power plants are a large infrastructure investment mm -hmm. with century-long footprints. Mm -hmm. And a nuclear power project is characterized by high upfront capital costs. Mm 
and long construction period, low and stable operational cost, and the lengthy uh, payback periods. So um, I will say that, uh, and even the International Energy Agency provided these uh, generic recommendations and policies to the governments to have uh, this freedom and flexibility to establish policy frameworks for nuclear power to reduce the investment risk, mm -hmm. enabling financially and support innovation to ensure efficient <coughs> and independent safety regulations. If those investors would like to participate in the bid of a nuclear uh, infrastructure program, it's important to talk closely with the Ministry of Energy, for example, of the country, and uh, specifically set some goals or if there is already established a company yeah. focusing on the energy or power generation, for example, a company that has a hydro hydro plants, but yes. would like to start doing some initiatives into the nuclear energy yeah. sector, they can talk closely with the government and I believe to the, uh, to the IEA to set a framework of cooperation and how, for example, those workers from the hydro plant could be uh, 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 trained by uh, other nuclear experts to have uh, these human resources development. Mm -hmm. But it's important from the government side to provide this flexibility in the policies because uh, if the government starts supporting the small modular reactor demonstration projects mm -hmm. with direct measures for financing, mm -hmm. it will be addressed construction risk or fresh units or targeting the investment in essential fuel supplies, or even R&D capabilities, because you will start uh, with education of people earlier and develop all those human capabilities of talent and development of uh, licensing frameworks, for example. Um, it's also important to review uh, the, at the national and international decarbonization pathways, because Sometimes we think that there is just one way to go straight forward without including all the reliable sources as, is, uh, as it is nuclear energy power. And we have to see all the advantages and how, uh, and how it's helping to the economic development, not only in the energy security, but we already talked about uh, the different types of fuels like hydrogen uh, production, yeah. how to power the heating heating district uh, process in, in the communities and also the clean water. So with one technology, we may be solving three or four issues globally in one community, mm -hmm. which is very powerful. If we compare how many uh, hydro plants or uh, solar plants uh, can help in, in to the community with a constant supply of electricity, such as maybe but we have to consider nuclear to be a base load source of electricity. Yeah, yeah uh, that is great. And and uh, speaking of cogenerational facilities and, and reactors, um, are there cogenerational reactors which are um, commercial, or the cogenerational reactors are majorly uh, research reactors? I don't know. Uh, maybe a little bit more about that. So well, the, the nuclear cogeneration means that uh, this part of the of the technology 
it has additional applications. Uh -huh. It's like non-electric applications. Yes, yes. It means through a nuclear technology, mm -hmm. you can uh, do the seawater desalination or clean the water from the ocean mm -hmm. and make it available for the consumption of the population. Yeah, sure. Or you can supply the, the, the heating for the district, for example, if you are living in Alaska or in a very cold region of Europe mm -hmm. where you have minus 20 or minus 30 Celsius degrees, mm -hmm. um, it will be very helpful to use this uh, type of uh, source of heat mm -hmm. instead of the gas or any other fuels that are using in other regions of the world. Mm -hmm. This is what it means for the nuclear cogeneration. Yes. It focuses more on non-electric applications. Mm -hmm. Wow, and, and um, yes? No, 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 please yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, and um, uh, there is uh, one thing about uh, if I have a, um, um, like, um, I own a nuclear power plant, um, for instance, it's not the government, but uh, um, maybe I am owning a nuclear power facility. What are these proliferational, uh, proliferation, pro sorry, proliferational? Yeah, proliferational issues that uh, can be there, and 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 uh, are the advanced reactors are organized? Um, how are they organized so that uh, they can reduce this risk of a uh, nuclear weapon uh, generation or nu uh, nuclear weapon uh, smuggling? Sure, you know there is always the uncertainty about the uh, proliferation issues, risk or assessments. Uh -huh. And uh, one of the good advantages that I would like to uh, highlight of the generation for reactors mm -hmm. is that uh, when you reprocess part of the fuel, you are reducing the uh, spent fuel uh, volume waste, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and reducing the proliferation issue to uh, a diverse uh, the nuclear materials for a non bulk for these purposes that shouldn't be uh, taken, you know, yeah. under protection. Mm -hmm. So this is one advantage of the generation for reactors. Yeah, yeah. But I also want to highlight that through a set of technical measurements or safeguards, the IEA verifies that the states are honoring their international legal obligations mm -hmm. to use nuclear material and technology only for peaceful purposes. Mm -hmm. So the IEA sends a, a inspectors to the nuclear facilities in the country to review, verify, and uh, comply all the legal framework binding agreements. Mm -hmm. And it, it is independent verification works allows the IEA to play an indispensable role in preventing the spread of nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. The objective of the IEA safeguards is to deter the spread of nuclear weapons mm -hmm. by early detection of the misuse of nuclear material of technology. Mm -hmm. uh, this provides the credible assurances that states are honoring the, their legal obligations mm -hmm. and is being only used for peaceful purposes. Mm -hmm. So the, the safeguards uh, are a set of these technical measurements uh, and uh, it really verifies uh, the nuclear facilities that are not misused material. Mm -hmm. um, the safeguards are an essential component of the international security system. Mm -hmm. um, the Treaty on Non-Proliferation of Nuclear Weapons, mm -hmm. the NPT, mm -hmm. is a centerpiece of global efforts mm -hmm. to prevent the further spread of nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. Under the treaty's article number three, 
each non-nuclear weapon state is required to conclude a safe base agreement with the IEA and any additional protocols to be implemented in the nuclear power infrastructure program. So before anything, a country would like to start a nuclear power program, they, they need to contact the agency to uh, review the, the legal agreements and how it will proceed the protocols for the NPT a, a association and the additional protocols. So all those mechanisms are implemented state by the stage through a, a consistent verification and validation process. Mm -hmm. The sector's implementation is based on the annual cycle. Um, it comprises four fundamental processes that includes uh, the collection and evaluation of uh, all sectors relevant information, the development of a safer's approach for a specific uh, country, planning, conduct, and evaluate of safer's activities, for example, and drawing of safer's conclusions. So at the end of this cycle, all the safer's conclusions drawn by the IEA provide the assurance to all the international community that the states are standing by their safer's obligation under those agreements. So, um, in the General Assemblies of the IEA, the Board of Governors uh, uh, gather with uh, the IEA experts and the uh, DG, uh, Dr. Rafael Mariano Grossi, who is currently the General Director of the agency, to talk about all the sector verifications, agreements, and what are the outcomes, how is the budget designated for the verification, and so on. So, um, in this case, I will as a general message, I will say to the Kenyan population that uh, the IEA mm -hmm. and the other uh, international organizations have this uh, legal and physical mechanism mm -hmm. to establish the control of the nuclear weapons and the proliferation issues uh, to not divert the nuclear material. Wow, uh, that is so great. And um, uh, because uh, time is uh, almost, um, time uh, time is running out, and uh, there is so many things uh, maybe uh, we can uh, add on. Um, so uh, maybe just to conclude and 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 and, and to know if um, if uh, for instance a country like uh, we are now deploying SMRs and SMRs. And the mini SMRs uh, in the world, uh, which specific SMRs or the mini uh, reactors are best suited for Africa? Um, for, for for Africa in in the dawn of SMR development, uh, but uh, putting into consideration that every country, uh, every nation is going on its own uh, path, uh, but we are heading the same direction to install nuclear power for in in our, in our, in our, in, our, in Africa. But every country has its own preferences. So how 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 um, no. Um, what is the question? Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm even forgetting the questions. What specific SMRs are these that we can uh, deploy? Yeah. Well, that's very important. You know, um, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm a professional and I couldn't say to people you should marry the specific technology, you know, mm -hmm. because uh, it should be the, the assessment and the selection of a technology should be based on the country needs. But yes. what I can tell the audience is that, the, for example, the agency it has the Advanced Reactor Information System. Yes. Or its acronym. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, they have this uh, important application of advances in a small modular reactor technology developments. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of a handbook or a booklet, mm -hmm. which is a supplementary material of the RE system, and they launch every two years a, 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 the material, you know. Uh, they provide updates and many other of the information and specific of the alignment technology of mm -hmm. the small modular reactors. Mm -hmm. uh, there are more than 80 small modular reactor designs mm -hmm. from their different stages of de development and deployment in around 18 uh, member states. Yeah. One of the first ones to come along the way in the commercial operation is the academic Lomon Lomonosov. Uh, it's a floating power plant in Russia uh, with two modules of KLT uh, 40S. It has been commercial commercialized since May 2020. Yes. But we also have the HDR uh, demonstration plant in China, mm -hmm. which was connected to the grid in December 2021. Mm -hmm. Or in Latin America, we have the current 25 in Argentina. Mm -hmm. It's under construction, aiming for grid connection in 2026. Mm -hmm. And there are many other uh, models, for example, the new scale power models in the United States of America mm -hmm. has received a standard design approval in mm -hmm. September 2020. Mm -hmm. And this edition, the 2022 of this uh, uh, material of the IEA, mm -hmm. it comprises all the uh, design requirements, economical challenges, mm -hmm. uh, enabling design features to facilitate the, the commissioning and the commissioning uh, program. Mm -hmm. What I would like to highlight and something that I'm very happy to, to see is that the publication contains uh, the proposals of the small modular reactors in South Africa, mm -hmm. for example, if we are addressing the African region. Mm -hmm. And we have several models like the AHTR-100 from ESCOM company or the PVMR-400 PVMR or the mm -hmm. HDMR. So these, uh, these models are uh, from the region mm -hmm. and we will see more advancements. Um, what it is important to detect here is like, if a country it is right away or is uh, urged to deploy a, a specific system, mm -hmm. it is uh, vital to detect which of these uh, 800, uh, 80, sorry, 80 designs yeah. are already commercialized or which are more advanced, that it can help to target and be part of the objectives of the country mm -hmm. to have all those reactor units uh, mm -hmm. in a short matter of time. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, the nuclear power programs, it takes some time to establish this framework, to uh, develop the technology, mm -hmm. to select the technology, mm -hmm. the feasibility studies and so on. So this is something that should be done systematically but uh, as a solution, a reactor, a unit, or a, a nuclear plant can be operating from 30, 60, or even 90 years. So it is a very long-term investment uh, facility that we will be producing electricity for a, a long period of time. Wow, uh, that is so great. And uh, it's really, really, really a great, great conversation. And uh, today, 
we have gone even a little bit more deeper so that um, everybody um, 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 everybody uh, could, uh, can just uh, get to know um, about all these re reactors and um, uh, sooner or later deploy them into their countries and uh, just uh, let nuclear energy be at the epicenter of um, the energy uh, energy transition and uh, you know, clean energy for the future. Uh, so uh, it's really been a very, very great pleasure. And also, I will also want to uh, thank you uh, for even, uh, uh, you know, I, somebody said, I want somebody to um, tell me about scholarships and so on and so forth. So it's really also great that, um, um, you know, I, I, uh, somebody who wanted um, as, uh, somebody else to show the way and uh, you did and um, you made and, and gave direction it's really really great uh, that everybody in the nuclear field in the nuclear sector and those who are coming into the nuclear field uh, uh, find uh, people like you so that they can uh, be mentored and uh, even be uh, enlightened into so many uh, things so a great pleasure having you uh, into this podcast also today Thank you, Collins. Uh, uh, I do appreciate this invitation, and uh, it's been wonderful to uh, have this conversation with you because it could be a lot of uncertainties about different reactor technologies, what are the current challenges, or uh, which technology could be better for my country, for example. But um, I will say the, the, the agency always shares resources uh, with all the member states that have available resources that everyone can uh, take a look and it will be very helpful to digest uh, the information. Mm -hmm. Another aspect you just touched is about the opportunities of having uh, through the scholarship of programs mm -hmm. because um, I mean no one knows what is the right way. We can have different types of directions mm -hmm. but as long as you have someone that at least can provide an input or what is probably the direction that work that works for the majority mm -hmm. is very helpful you can save time and even you can add more uh, opportunities or additional uh, programs mm -hmm. and i think this is a um a compromise and this is a commitment to the to the nuclear industry mm -hmm. because the more we share resources the more we will get mm -hmm. and uh, we will help the future generations to tackle all those challenges because mm -hmm. no one can do everything alone you know we need mm -hmm. a close cooperation with uh, more partners more colleagues around the globe mm -hmm. to unite those efforts so i will really invite all uh, the colleagues that are outside there and mm -hmm. uh, they already know an opportunity that uh, they, they will be willing to share mm -hmm. they, they they have also to share those mm -hmm. resources with the young experts because they also have that spark, mm -hmm. the spark that will be enlightening the rest mm -hmm. of the years in our industry. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, that is so, so, so great. Uh, and even, um, you know, we've added uh, more in, uh, more input on that. And it's really, really great. Uh, and uh, it's always a pleasure having you in these conversations. Thank you very much, Collins, and looking forward for the next invitation of any other uh, topic that you would like to touch. I'll be happy to participate in the new initiatives as well. Amazing, and it's going to be uh, very soon, so uh, stay uh, 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 stay put. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, 
and uh, congratulations for the great efforts you are doing and I wish you all the best in the uh, further podcast uh, sessions that you will be having with more experts around the globe. Thank you so much. Nuclear Energy is the better podcast. Yay.